0: Just walked in right now. Uh, my name is Onimukhatle. I'm the <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Um, yeah, I'm Kenny. I've got the wonderful privilege of uh, bringing you guys to the word this morning. Uh, very, very daunting, but I think as soon as you are up here, then you you realize what a privilege this is. Uh, so, um, if today is your first time here, we're currently in a series um, uh, titled "Messy." That was quite messy as well. Um, messy grace uh, We're in the book of Corinthians, uh, right from February until uh, September um, and essentially uh, what we're going into is uh, what we're going into is just uh, a church where it, it looks perfect from the outside but was actually quite a mess. Um, we've had about uh, three three sessions already. Uh, mine is the fourth. Uh, The very first one was just setting the platform of uh, what was was the church of Corinth, what was happening uh, when Paul went there. Uh, And then we went into the text, and already by, I think by the third sermon, we're already going, running into problems, and there were divisions within the church, Uh, things that you almost expect to find on a playground in terms of uh, I, I want to follow Apollos. You know? I want to follow Paul. you know. It's like, those guys are cooler. Uh, they do things better in a way which appeals to me. And so, so last week, uh, Bonza preached. Uh, he took us through that. And so if last week was titled um, Divis- Divisions Within the Church, then this week would essentially be Paul's solution. It would be Paul's almost uh, very loving reprimand of uh, you guys are focusing on the, very, on the wrong thing. And so for that, we'll be going through uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to, uh, to 31, and then we'll be touching a bit on uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 5. It's going to be a lot of reading, so we'll figure out how to uh, reduce it to bite-sized chunks. So uh, join me as we uh, read God's Word. Uh, And we'll we'll start from verse 17 just to get a little bit of uh, context in terms of taking it from last week where Bonza actually ended. And so we start. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, And the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Uh, jesus christ we want to thank you for this morning i just want to thank you for allowing us to to gather in a place like this lord um, uh, to hear your word unpacked um, to worship you uh, both in service uh, in song and in listening Um, we pray lord jesus that you would just soften our hearts uh, this morning uh, soften our hearts to to your word lord i pray for myself uh, I pray that I may I may tremble, I may stutter just at the prospect of unpacking Your word. That the Spirit may receive all the praise, and Holy Spirit, speak through me. Um, may my words uh, point to You and nothing else. And so, Lord, lead us through the rest of the sermon. I pray for everyone that's here, Lord. Whatever it is that they brought, whatever it is that they're carrying, I pray that. Uh, your word may be the soothing balm that uh, they need. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So, the the idea of the cross, um, when we look at it in our current context, um, it's we can't we can't ignore it. All right, uh, whether it's a rapper wearing a cross on his neck, uh, a celebrity uh, accepting an award. Uh, wearing a cross for a movie that is um, R-rated. We, we, can't across, we, we, can't, we can't ignore the fact that the cross is something that's, that's everywhere, right? Uh, to even the cross being in a church. Uh, it's, a, it's a symbolism of something. Whether it's something that's sacred for uh, certain people, or it's, it's something that just seems very cool. But if we're to almost shift back in history... Uh, we'll see that the idea of the cross, the idea of the crucifixion, is, it's something that's very, very different. Uh, historically, when we look through uh, the writings, people, when they speak about the cross, they speak about it as something that is very, very grotesque, something that was very, very gruesome, right? Uh, so much so that if you were having a dinner party, the whole idea of even mentioning anything related to crucifixion was unheard of. Uh, you would not mention it in polite company. It's something that people chose not to speak about, and and it made sense. It made sense. Um, crucifixion back back in the day was used as a as a way of punishment, a, a way of even delivering a message. So if the Romans uh, went went into a city to actually show that they mean business uh, to the city that they're sacking or taking over. They would, they would crucify people just outside the city gate to essentially say to anyone that's entering the city, uh, we're not playing games. We're here to conquer. We're here for power. All right? And so even, even the Bible itself, when it speaks about the cross, uh, when we refer back to Deuteronomy 21, it says that cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. And so this was almost a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ uh, hanging on the cross. And so... You can imagine that for for the Jews who were under Roman occupation at that time, the idea of a cross wasn't the best thing. Because when you look back into Deuteronomy, it says, uh, if you end up on a cross, you're cursed. So when we look into the Jewish culture, and we look at the Messiah that came, it made absolutely no sense that uh, their Savior, their Messiah, would end up on a cross a cross was essentially the lowliest form of, de- of death right uh, if you ended up on the cross um, you would you would be beaten to a pulp you'd more than likely be naked on the cross. It was very, very humiliating it was something that um, it was very countercultural and even as I sit here as we sit here as Christians and when we look at the cross at the crucifixion of Jesus as as something amazing, as something worth remembering. It's very, very countercultural. And so, as, as we look at Jewish culture, um, we, we understand that they were very close to God. God had done a lot of miracles through them, uh, the, the Messiah was supposed to come through them. Uh, and so, for a season, they were waiting for this great Messiah, they were waiting for someone to come and save them out of this Roman occupation taxes were high, uh, they were being mistreated, and so when Jesus actually comes, there's a small sense of is this him, or isn't this him? And so, even as we refer to you scripture, we we see that the, some of the teachers are actually demanding signs. They're saying, yeah, we, we get that you're saying you're the Messiah, you're here to save us, but uh, give us a sign, and so Matthew twelve thirty-eight to thirty-nine, John six thirty to thirty-one. The questions are always the same: Give us a sign, right? Um, we got a sign from God in the desert uh, when we were with Moses. He gave us bread from heaven. Um, we've been getting signs throughout uh, our history. We've, we've been neck and neck with God. So, give us a sign as to the fact that you are this promised Messiah. Right, and so, and so Jesus Christ says, I, I've, I've done enough miracles. I've, I've, since I've been here, I've been doing so many things, which it seems that you guys are missing the point. And so he actually answers that I will not give you any more signs except the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah, if we all remember, the big thing about Jonah is that he was swallowed by a fish. He was in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. And so when we shift forward, what Jesus is saying is that that was actually a foreshadowing of me dying um, on the cross, being buried in the tomb for three days and three nights. And they still didn't get it. And so when we shift to the Greeks, on the other hand, the Greeks, are, the Greeks haven't really had access to God like the Jews. And so what we also need to understand about Greeks in this context is not necessarily the Greeks as a, as a nation, right? So because of the, the period of time where... The, the Jews were conquered by Alexander the Great, he brought in his culture. He brought in everything There was just booming Greeks, right? So even when the Romans eventually came and conquered the Greeks, there were still remnants of, of the old culture of the Greeks. And so from the outside, essentially, if we, if we looked at everyone here, you would all be speaking Greek, right? And so for the Jews... Whether or not you were Tosa, Zulu, English, Afrikaans, uh, if you were speaking Greek, you were Greek. And so it was, more, it was more towards you guys were pagans, right? And so we'll just call you guys Greeks as a whole. And so, because of that, they didn't really have any access to God. Right? And so what they relied mostly on was, was wisdom, right? Um, perhaps we don't use the term wisdom this day and age, but they relied on logic, right? Uh, one plus one, two. That's it's easy. And so the whole idea or concept of a savior, a Jewish one, nochal, who comes and he dies on the cross, it doesn't make sense, right? God comes as a human being, uh, doesn't come with horses with with the military, and he does the most humiliated death. It makes absolutely no sense, right? And so, as we go, that was the intro. So. <laughs> So, as we go into the scriptures, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be reading from verse 17. As we go into verse 18, um, we see that Paul starts with the cross, right? So, from verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Verse 18, the first part, he says, for, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Right? And so so Paul is going right to what's important. The cross of Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You guys are focusing on the wrong thing. There's division in the church. You guys are saying, I'm going to follow this side or this side or this person. But he's saying, it's not even about that. I'm bringing you back to the source. I'm bringing you back to what's, what's most important. And so what, what struck me about this is that Uh, when it says the cross is folly to those who are perishing, a lot of a lot of us will actually think that that, that's not really me or that wasn't me, right? A lot of us when we think anyone that considers the cross folly or foolishness or or rubbish, right? It's the it's the guy in the in the corner waving a banner saying that Christianity is stupid. How do you guys believe in this? How do you guys believe that a, a Jewish guy saved the whole world just by dying on the cross and being resurrected? Right, it, it sounds very foolish, and we, we we tend to attribute that to to the keyboard warrior on the internet who gives us ten reasons why Christianity is false or ten reasons of whatever, right? And so the truth about, the truth about this is that, uh, and it's a very hard truth for most of us if we haven't crossed um, the line of faith, if we're still saying, you know what, God. Um, This cross of yours, I'm not not sure. I'm not sure. We're saying the cross is folly because what we're saying is that God in his infinite wisdom um, says, my son will die on the cross. He will live the perfect life, resurrected on the third day. And we're saying that that idea doesn't really fit into our idea of what salvation is supposed to be. And therefore, I've got I've got access to better information. I've got access to better wisdom, right? And so, even the person that says, you know what, your Christ is great, your Christ is good. He, he did a lot of miracles. Uh, he gave us a, a book on good living. But you know what, this cross thing—it's it's not really for me. Um, essentially, we're saying exactly the same thing here: that the cross is folly. And so, and so when we shift down to verse 22 Paul says for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles and so like I spoke earlier about uh, Jews and Greeks right Jews want signs Jews wanted wanted to know are you the promised Messiah And, and here's the truth guys I I sympathize with the both of them, right? I, I get it. I get it, right? When you think about the Jews, right, they, they've they been going in and out of exile, being conquered by different nations. Right now, they've been conquered by the Romans. Uh, when we look at their history, they had King David. I mean, I don't do Man Crush Monday, but if I did, King David would be right out there, man. King David, he's a worshiper, He's a warrior. Um, he, he's humble. He writes poetry. He's an amazing guy. And so if you, look at the, if you look at the Bible, if you're reading the Old Testament and it keeps saying there's a promised Messiah who's coming down uh, King David's lineage, you, what you're expecting is military might. What you're expecting is that he's going to come with horses, with chariots. He's going to come with a palace from heaven or something, he's gonna establish his kingdom right here, and he's gonna take over. He's gonna say Romans, time for battle, right? And so it, it made sense, right? It made sense because that's what that was the reality, right? Uh, they were they were under a, a very very hard Roman rule, and so and so with the with the Greeks, I'd say <laughs> I understand. Let's, let's be honest. The whole concept of, of God uh, sending His Son, right? So this is, this, is, this is the infinite God of the world, right? Uh, he created the galaxies. He created everything. Uh, he has the manual in everything. He is the manual on food being good. He is the manual on why marriage works when you do it His way. He has the manual on why we should raise kids the way that He wants us to raise kids, right? He has the manual on everything. And in his infinite wisdom, he decides, you know what? Let me use this lowly nation of of Jews. Alright? Uh, they are going to be stubborn people over and over again. They're going to keep saying, uh, we actually think your way is not the best. We know you've taken us taken us out of Egypt. You've done a whole lot of good things for us. But maybe give us a king, you know, that will work better for us, because the other nations have kings, right? So, essentially, you almost see that this, where they're coming from, it makes sense, right? And so, so here's the thing. Perhaps what makes sense for us does not necessarily make sense for God, right? Uh, there's still so many, so many concepts in the Bible which I'm still trying to wrap my mind around about about who God is and how He does things, and so what God does is that these two polarizing uh, schools of thoughts—the Jews wanting signs, and the Greeks on the side looking for wisdom—that will make sense of the cross. Um, in as much as the in opposing ends, God says both of them are wrong, right? I'm going to use a way that is fundamentally different from what you understand. And so this is the battle between God's wisdom and human wisdom. So as we shift, we, we realize that throughout history, God is in the habit of doing things in ways in which are very, very different from what we know, right? Right? we come with our own preconceived notions of this is our, this is how I want salvation package for me. This is how I want it to come to me. Um, God, if you can take me out of debt, um, if you can give me a body like OGs, then then I'll, I'll be cool. You know, I'll be cool. But, but because God loves us, <laughs> he's the great heart surgeon, right? He says, you know what? I get that you're struggling. I get that you're going through a rough patch. I get that maybe your marriage, your relationship, is not in the best place. I get that you're in debt. I get that um, your life is not where it's supposed to be. Right. In as much as he would have said the same thing to to the Jews, he says, "I understand you're under Roman occupation, but there's something there's something far darker." that lies beneath. And it's, it's, it's not that the Romans are your enemies. It's not that unemployment is your enemy. It's not that a bad relationship is your enemy. But that you've been separated from me. And from this day on, if you do not know me, you are under my wrath. And therefore, when we, when we put our problems at the fore, we end up in a place where we forget about God and as soon as our problems are fixed, we think that everything is fine, but the real problem is our separation from God. And so that's why Jesus continuously speaks to the disciples He says, I need to go to the cross. I need to die on the cross. I need to die on the cross because there's a bigger issue at hand. right? This is, this is an issue which, to this day, man has no solution. Right? Um, depending on what where you where you stand with conspiracy theories would be into the moon and back right uh if you showed a cell phone to someone uh, if you back, went back in time and you twenty years ago and showed them a cell phone, they would not believe that there's something that yeah can take pictures videos uh, text and go on Facebook and all these things they would they, they would not believe it right so uh, as as a as a people, we're very smart, right? We, we know a lot of stuff, there's a lot of ingenuity and even, even within rooted, the rooted context, uh, I think you continuously hear this over and over again. Uh, uh, rooted has got a lot of talented people, uh, a lot of good minds here, right? But God is saying that that's not the problem, right? That that will never be the thing that you bring to the table there's a bigger issue at hand, and that issue is our hearts being separated from God. Right? Every morning when we wake up, I'm sure the very first thought in, my, in your mind is, well, I messed up again. I did not wake up at 6. I woke up at 7 o'clock. So already your, your own standards, you, you fail in your own standards. So, so Paul, Paul states here from verse 19 to, uh, to 21 why God does things the way that he does. And he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach uh, to save those who believe. So what Paul is saying, essentially, is that um, how God, the, the theme that God uses throughout the Bible is essentially there's human wisdom and then there's God's wisdom. And God's wisdom, it's a sovereign, it's a sovereign wisdom where he looks at everything, right? And, and I, I, I don't know how that works, but he looks at everything from start to end. He's outside of time. And he says, okay, great, this will be the plan. All right? So we can't even see beyond tomorrow. I'm not sure what I'm going to be wearing tomorrow. So, yeah. So, as we as we move forward, um, we'll go to the last part of verse 18, where Paul says, uh, but to us who are being saved, uh, it is the power of God. And so... I love this because he's going back to, he's taking them back to their identity, right? He's reminding them of their identity. He's saying, "Guys, I I hear you. There's division in the church. You guys, are, you guys are saying, uh, I prefer this guy because he speaks very well. I prefer this guy because he does sound very well. I prefer this guy because he leads Bible study very well. But he's saying, that's not the important thing." The important thing here is that um, to us, the cross means so much more because it's the power of God. And so we, we attempted to perhaps think of the power of God as as perhaps something physical or it's a power which um, I have the ability to ask God to give me a new car tomorrow. But the power of God in this context, uh, it's, it's something much deeper. It's it's God taking taking people that do not love Him, that do not want Him in His life, uh, and He's saying, "I will give you uh, a new life, right? Uh, I will give you new birth. I'm going to change your heart because here's the thing about the power of the gospel, right? The power of the gospel is not to make us better people. It's, It's not possible, right? We we've been trying to be depending on how old you are. We've been trying to be Better people for the last 20, 30 years or more, and we still, we're still not getting there. but the power of the gospel is that he takes sinners and he makes them worshippers. right? Um, and I, I love this because Paul's writing this. Uh, if any of us know about Paul's history, uh, very zealous guy, right? Uh, this guy was persecuting the church, he was killing Christians, and he was very, very good at it, right? And so, God says, I'm going to take that guy, and he's going to write the Old Testament. All right? Paul probably knows his, uh, the New Testament. Sorry. Paul probably knows that he's writing the New Testament. right? But God says, I will, I will change their heart to that extent that men and women will will give up, will give up their lives. They will give up everything they own for the sake of the gospel. And that is the power of the gospel that there is no one that walks through that door that will that will be too far from Jesus Christ, that will be too far from salvation, right? That whatever you walked in with, right, God is saying, I can deal with that, right? And I can bring you into a wonderful relationship um, with the Father. And so uh, going back to... Going back to this power of God, it's the power, it's not just the power to redeem, it's not just the power to atone for our sin, but it's the power to take us right to the end, right? It's this gospel, it doesn't It doesn't just take us from today and says, you're saved, great, continue on your own strength, but it's the power to keep you on a road of sanctification, uh, to keep you walking towards him, to keep you Asking the question, God, how can I worship you more, God? How can I serve you more, God? How can I give up more and more of myself for the sake of your kingdom to honor you and to glorify you? Right. And so when we shift to verse 24, Paul continues to say, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So part of this, he adds, it's also the wisdom of God. Right, the wisdom of God is that God plans this this grand plan of how He's going to save humanity through a small nation uh, of Jews. Right, that this gospel it lands and then it goes to the ends of the earth. Right, and that's amazing when we consider where where this started and where we are now. That across the globe on Sundays the people in churches that, that is amazing and that is God's plan it, it makes absolutely no sense but it, it worked and when we, when we look at how the nation of Israel started we start off with Abraham and we're just like really? you're going to make a great nation out of me? right? I'm like 90 my wife is even older you're going to make a great nation out of us? but God does that Right, God does, and He's not finished. That's the wonderful thing; He's not finished. So, then, right at the end, uh, verse twenty-five says, "For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men." And so, it say it's essentially on any given day, uh, God is having His bad day. It's still better than your best day. Right, that whatever he thinks, uh, whatever he plans out, will always pan out the way that he wants. And will always pan out well. So then we shift to um, 26 to 31. And here, it's essentially Paul is going back to the people, to the guys in Corinth. And he's saying, uh, I hear you guys are saying that this person has got... Great qualities. I'm I'm going to side with them, but he's saying. But when I look at you guys, you you bring absolutely nothing to the table, even by worldly standards. For, forget my standard as God. No one no one gets up to that standard except His own Son. But he says that even by worldly standards, right? You guys are not cutting it. You guys are not making. It. You guys didn't have. Um, you didn't have any qualities that were worth remembering. You didn't bring anything. You guys were not of any noble origin. In essence, uh, if you guys had remained the same way that you were, uh, you would just been the people that pass, uh, pass on the road that people don't care about. And so we see God's, God's blueprint here in that verse 28, verse 28 says, God chose what is low and despise in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human no human being might boast in the presence of God. And so you can almost, almost imagine uh, if we considered uh, the things, the talents that we bring to the table. right? If we considered, well, I have a PhD or I'm a great speaker or I'm a bouncer or whatever, if we consider all those things and we bring them to the table, then, then everyone has got something to boast about, right? And so when we, when we revert back to our own new wisdom, right, there is division. Because then I want to measure myself against the next person. But God's idea is that, you know what, I'm going to take the least of these and I'm going to make something amazing out of them. And so I love, I love this quote from um, O. Schausen. It says, The ancient Christians were, for the greater part, slaves and persons of humble rank. The whole history of the progress of the church is, in fact, a gradual triumph of the unlearned over the learned, of the lowly over the great, until the emperor himself cast his crown at the foot of Christ's cross. And that, that is amazing right when we when we think that jesus disciples 12 guys uh, and i imagine those 12 guys didn't know if they were given a picture of the future that uh, their work would become this i don't think they'd believe it right and he takes these 12 guys right and he's not he's not taking the ceos of the world right he's not taking the accountants of the world he's not taking the scientists of the world he's taking the people that I despise He's taking a taxman, he's taking fishermen, and he's saying i'm going to use you to change the world All right not for this time but for the sake of eternity All right and so this quote this quote almost perfectly captures that god is in the business of taking the lowest of the lowest and doing something with them All right and so for us there's a, there's a small sense of when we walk through that door, right? It's not a matter of hey, I've got all of this to offer. Uh, I deserve to be serving whatever. It's God. I have got absolutely nothing to give. Use me in whatever way possible. Use me in whatever way you see fit. Uh, I'm an instrument in your hands. And so we even see this theme. This theme throughout the whole Bible. Uh, Matthew 18, uh, verse 3. Uh, he speaks about. Having faith like a child, and you say, and this is not so much childish, childish faith; it's childlike faith, right? Uh, when I think about my daughter um, and our interaction, right? So, my daughter will will take what, on on days that she feels like it. She'll take whatever I give her on a spoon, right? Uh, my daughter does not know Monday to Sunday. But she knows that she's taken care of. She doesn't know the times of the day. But she trusts that on any given day, she'll be washed, she'll be clothed. Uh, On mealtime, she'll be given meals. She she trusts us, right? And so that is almost our approach when we come to God that uh, I actually don't know anything. Uh, You know better, Lord, and I'm giving my life to you. And so, when we shift to um, the last part this is verse 30 to 31 it says and because of him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written let the one who boasts boast the Lord and so with whatever, with whatever we do right, with whatever experience that we have as long as it's in Christ we know that Christ was the architect of that that it's nothing that we bring to the table. It's n- We didn't give God instructions. Uh, even when we got saved, we didn't say, God, I'm cool. I'm ready for this. Please, you can take me now. But God decides in actual fact that, hey, uh, I've got a great plan for your life. This is the time. All right. And so, when we go to chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 5, um, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I love this because this is also Paul's theme, right? Uh, If if any of you know Paul, Paul probably has one of the greatest CVs in the Bible. Like, uh, he states it in Philippians 3, Philippians 3, uh, verse 3 to 8, where he essentially says, um, I was a Jew of Jews, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Right, I kept to the law. Um, I was zealous. Right, uh, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. Right, I, I was. I was kicking it. There was essentially out there or at that time, my peers were not cutting it. I was always ahead. And he says that when I come to Christ, I don't. I don't count that. Right, I have no confidence in those qualifications. I have no confidence. In, in things which, from the outside, they seem they seem great. But I profess Christ crucified. And so he's saying the same thing here. He's saying, you know what? Um, I've decided to know nothing except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I love his vulnerability and transparency where he says, um, I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. And he's saying that I, I would rather come to you not with eloquent speech, right? Because at the end of the day, I can come up here and give you the best jokes, uh, speak, entertain you, and you will leave saying, wow, that was great. I was entertained. And then when they ask you, but what is the sermon about? You're like, oh, I'm not sure. Right? And so Paul is saying that at the end of the day, he wants to know Christ crucified. And that's the message that he wants to deliver. And so for my wife and I, this is this message is the reason why every night we pray for our daughter. Every night we, we're not asking, God, may she turn out well. We're not I mean and, and being a parent, you want your child to turn out well. We're not saying God, uh we pray that she registers for the best qualification. She becomes a doctor, lawyer, engineer at the same time. Right? We're not saying any of those things. And, and they seem like great things. They seem like worthy pursuits. But if there's one thing that's resounding every night, is God, capture our heart in a way which is unimaginable. Capture our heart so that she may serve you. Because here's the thing, guys. There will be a lot of people in hell that have turned out well in life. There will be a lot of people in hell who would have said... I went to church. I attended Bible study. There will be people like that. The story will be very different in heaven. The story will be be amazing stories. I can tell you for sure, there will be people that will be saying, I used to lie. I used to cheat. I was a thief. I was a murderer. And then after that, it's but God. But God changes all of that. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, this message, this message of Christ crucified, it's the foundation of all of this. It's the foundation of our lives. It's the foundation of why we come here on Sundays. It's the foundation of why we serve one another. It's the foundation of why we say we're going to open up our homes. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to open up our homes It's the foundation of how we say, I've got a lot of passive income, which I could use to go to Dubai for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to give it to people that need it more. This is the foundation. And so, for us here, uh, as rooted, um, implications, application, um, it's essentially a reminder of the cross, a reminder of God's wisdom, that ultimately our own wisdom fails us. Uh, If our wisdom goes to the fore, then we end up with division in the church. Um, We end up measuring each other against our own achievements. But when the cross comes into the picture, it's that I've got absolutely nothing to boast about except the Him who died on the cross. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for the cross. it's it's very it's very hard to understand from the outside um it's very hard to understand why things happened the way that we did but if there's one thing that we can confirm lord is the fact that it has changed history it has changed uh the way people think it has changed a lot of lives lord and we thank you and we praise you for that and even as we go into the week, Lord, the truth of the matter is that this, this message usually lands on Sunday, and it's amazing, and we want to do changes to our lives, but we've still got Monday to Saturday to live, um, which is where our lives really are, Lord. And so I pray um, that your word, uh, your cross, may be evident in our lives daily, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you may give us strength strength. Um, to withstand uh, the attacks from the outside lord and even the attacks from ourselves and our own thoughts lord jesus and so uh, lead us into this day um, and pray for remembrance of what you did i pray lord jesus that uh, in moments of doubts maybe we be reminded that uh, there's one greater that speaks on our behalf so lord we thank you Uh, we praise you it's in through your work on the cross that we pray Amen. Amen.